In the name of God, who creates, redeems, and sanctifies. Amen. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. Whenever I hear the beginning of this text, I think, yeah, great. So what else is new? (laughs) Welcome to life as we know it, right? Don't we live in a world where it seems like the word of the Lord is rare, where visions of God and of God's dream are not widespread? Aren't we hungering and thirsting for that promise? It's not like Hebrew scriptures in the world around us. What we experience every day is in many ways, nothing like the stories that we hear from our ancestors. Most of us will never meet God in the burning bush or see the angels of God in the temple or have a cherub press a hot coal to our mouths. We won't hear God's voice directly or wrestle with angels all night until we receive God's blessing. Hebrew scriptures is full of stories like this where God directly intervenes in the lives of God's people. Often, there are angels who come as messengers. Visions and dreams seem to appear to most everyone, often with technicolor dream coats. Priests hear God's voice directly in the temple. Moses sees a part of God's own body on the mountain. And even the people get to see miracles in their day-to-day lives, particularly when they are hurting or suffering. There's food in the desert, water that gushes out of rocks, the Red Sea parted, and a massive whale spitting up an unhappy, reluctant Jonah onto the shore. Wouldn't it be nice to see with such certainty, to know in our bones because we have seen with our eyes, felt the heat on our faces, filled our bellies with blessings, felt the wind stirred by a cherub's six wings. It's easy to imagine that if we had this chance, this privilege of seeing any of this, we would never doubt again, never struggle again. Except we also know from scripture that seeing isn't always believing, at least not at first. When we find Jesus this morning, we are early, In John's Gospel, Jesus has only just appeared on the public scene. He's he's been baptized by John in the Jordan River, and he is calling his first disciples, of whom Philip is one. Philip is probably the third or fourth of the twelve to be called. And the text tells us that Jesus calls Philip, and he says very simply, follow me. And like the rest of these call stories, Philip drops what he's doing, and he does just that. And like most of the call stories, including the one that just precedes this in the Gospel of John, literally just verses before, Philip does what most of the disciples do. After he chooses to follow Jesus, he tries to bring someone else along. Philip goes to Nathaniel, who we think of just as a neighbor or a friend of Philip's, and, and he says to him, we have found him. We have found the one that Moses and Scripture and the law told us about, the one that we hear about in Scripture. So Philip is guided by his faith, by the law, by scripture. He knows Jesus because he knows these stories, because he knows the promises that God makes in the story. That's how he's able to say, we've found him, because scripture shapes his seeing, because scripture tells him so. 
And it does for Nathaniel too, actually, who sort of cynically responds at first, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Because he knows that scripture says that the Messiah is supposed to come from Bethlehem. So even though it brings him to a cynical place first, Nathaniel too is guided by scripture. His seeing, his believing, his imagining is shaped by the story he knows so well. He too is guided by the text, by the promises of God. But then, then after his moment of cynicism, he sees the Lord, hears the Lord, and realizes he has been seen and known by the Lord. Like the Psalm says, he realizes he has been seen, searched, known, knit together by the God who is present in this Messiah who is in front of him. And because of that, he comes to believe. And surely along the way, he finds out that Jesus did in fact come out of Bethlehem, that he fulfills many of the promises of the prophets, and that he reinterprets a handful of them also, staying true to the core of them, but teaching us to see things in a different way, challenging us to understand something differently than maybe we did before or our ancestors did. Philip and eventually Nathaniel are able to see Jesus in real life, in part because of their relationship with their faith, with their story, with the promises of scripture. And because of this, Philip is willing to give up his whole life to drop what he's doing and to go and follow Jesus and to bring others along with him. But maybe even more importantly today, Nathaniel, who thinks it is impossible who starts in this place of doubt and cynicism, who doesn't want to or can't believe what Philip is telling him, Nathaniel discovers Jesus in a completely ordinary moment. Please note, in this whole passage, there is no miracle as we think of miracles. No water into wine, no walking on water, no healing, no multiplication of loaves and fishes, just clear vision. Vision guided by scripture, by the prophets, by history, and by the love of good friends. And actually, maybe that is a bit of a miracle after all, isn't it? The ability to see. But it is a miracle aided by scripture, by reading and learning and longing to see. Nathaniel's life is changed because he's suddenly able to see Jesus in the ordinary moments, in real life around him, which was no different than ours. And he's coming to know that he has been seen by Jesus fully. And in response, as he sort of breaks forth into this moment of belief, Jesus promises him that because he has seen Jesus in the ordinary, he will see greater things than these. As Christians, part of our journey is about learning to see Jesus in the world around us and letting scripture guide us and teach us and sort of lead us into our ability to really know him. We are given at baptism the gift of the Holy Spirit, but we need to continue to live into our baptismal covenant our whole life long to choose it over and over again to try to live his way of love if we hope to really know him to spot him in the ordinary moments around us, to see his hand at work in our lives and in the lives of those we love, to expect, because we've heard in scripture and we've seen it in generations past, that sometimes we know Jesus best in suffering, 
because we know that he draws near to those who suffer. Sometimes we can even find him in our own suffering if we pay attention. We can feel him come alongside us, wait with us, even weep with us. We learn over time if we are students of scripture, if we let worship and prayer and sacrament shape our lives, that we can expect Jesus to turn up in the ordinary moments, in normal life as we know it, and especially in moments of loss and of sickness, of danger and death. So, do we live in a world where the word of the Lord is rare and visions are not widespread? Well, truthfully, I'm not so sure. On reflection, I think we live in a world where too many people claim to have the corner on this market, where too many people disagree about what God is saying, where too many people claim to have special messages from above. Jesus does pray, after all, that we all might be one. So I think as we look around the world, it's easy to say that there are too many different interpretations, too many different traditions, different ideas. How do we know who and what to believe? Well, here again, the answer is simple. We're intended, like Nathaniel, like Philip, to turn back to scripture. And if we do, if we know our ancient story, then we know modern messages of love when we hear them. If we know the voices of the ancient prophets, if we can identify the common threads of their message, then we can better identify the prophets that God sends to us now. Because God surely is still speaking. And if we know what we're looking for, what we're listening for, then we can spot it, even in the very ordinary world that we live in today. And the truth is, there are plenty of these voices. There are plenty of modern-day prophets and modern-day saints. And when we evaluate their messages, often years later, they have a few things in common. Like the prophets of old, our modern prophets often aren't perfect people. Like us, they are flawed, they are broken, they make mistakes. But their message is consistent, and it is one of love at all costs, love that binds us up more closely with God and with neighbor. This is what all of our spiritual growth is about. And this is what all their messages are about. At the core, that is the hallmark of a prophetic message, it, that it is about love that calls the best out of us and brings us closer to God and to each other. Messages that ask us to build justice and equality, to stand with the poor and the marginalized because we know that this is where Jesus stands, to feed the hungry, to free the prisoner, to declare God's abundance. This literally is the cutout of the message of any prophet sent by God across the generations. And you can hear that message again in the voices of people like Oscar Romero, Howard Thurman, Mother Teresa, Polly Murray, Desmond Tutu, and Martin Luther King, who we celebrate this weekend. There are many more. Who are some of yours? Who are the voices you hear giving and sharing and preaching that message of love at all costs? When we listen to these people, even years later, their messages all call us back to God, back to faithfulness, back to love of neighbor despite the cost. They are the voices that shaped generations, that called people to be better. And that is the message of the prophets. Return, repent, rebuild. It will be costly. It will not be easy. 
And when you do the work, the abundance of God will be more full than you can possibly imagine. So my friends, you and I, we may not see the burning bush or wrestle with angels all night, but we have been sent messengers, visions, and the word of the Lord. We need only know our story, our scripture well enough to spot Jesus in the ordinary in the world around us, under a tree, across the bridge, at the homeless shelter, at the hospital, in the one who is left out in school, in our neighbors, even sometimes if we dare, if we're faithful, in ourselves. And that brings us back to you. Not only have you been sent messages and prophets, you have also been sent with a message. You who were given the Holy Spirit in baptism, you who were marked as Christ's own forever, you who have been given this heritage, this story, the promise of God all over scripture that has been handed down from generations just for you. Do you know the story well enough to spot Jesus in the world around you? Do you know it well enough to share the message that God has given you to share about love at all costs? To have your own vision, to bring others along as you share the word of the Lord. Amen.